Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. They've got all the seasons, loads of free space to roam, free universal health care, better work-life balance, paid maternity leave. The maple syrup is pretty amazing. And you get more for your money if you're a U.S. citizen. I'm talking about Canada in this episode. Brandon Miller, a certified immigration expert, is sharing why moving to Canada and getting a second passport might be the best move you make. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, 
money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I have been so intrigued by this idea of a second passport for quite some time. I always thought about moving overseas to Europe, but Canada is much closer and honestly has a lot of financial benefits. And I will admit to you a guilty pleasure. I have been a little bit of an addict of House Hunters International during quarantine. I've probably watched over the last year, I think every season and every episode. (laughs) And I just never thought about Canada, but maybe Canada might be the answer. There are over a hundred immigration pathways into Canada, but you got to know which one is best for you. That's where Brandon comes in. He can help you plan the best way, avoid all the mistakes, get settled in Canada, and figure out your way around some truly Canadian pronunciations like my favorite, sorry. I'm probably not saying that right, but that is my best Canada impersonation. (laughs) So are you curious? Here is Brandon to share how you can make your dream of a second passport come true and why that might make sense in the first place. Brandon, it is so good to have you on the show. You're coming all the way from Canada to us today. So thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is definitely an episode that I have been really excited about. I've obviously been very curious about the idea of moving abroad, moving to Canada. So I think it's it's such great timing to talk about this. And I just want to go kind of straight in there. Why do you think Canada is is a viable option for building a better life? What makes Canada worthy of that title? Um, I, I think it's uh, I think it's very much a personal decision for a lot of people. However, some of the things that we hear uh, is depending on who wants to come here, they're looking at it for uh, worker mobility. Uh, they're looking for maybe longer term for health care. They're looking at uh, the ability to access some of the education, some of the retirement benefits, things like that. But then I hear other things like uh, global warming, for instance. We hear about, um, you know, people are concerned about the environment and what that's going to look like. And they're seeing a lot of these storms crop up and things like that. So they want right. to move a little bit more inland. Uh, and I've, I've even had people uh, say things like, you know, uh, come up with different moral issues that they're looking at where, mm. where things are going. So they want to be in a different environment. Um, some of the other issues that we we can see as well is uh, you know financial. A lot of a lot of times people are looking at it in terms of how they can uh, you know preserve wealth or or for taxation purposes as well. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about the financial aspect. What are some of the differences? I would imagine there are a lot, but diff- differences financially speaking. Somebody living in the U.S., somebody living in Canada. What do we need to know about money that's that's different in Canada? Well, first off, the uh, American dollar goes a lot farther up here. So, uh, you know, bang for the buck in that respect. Um, you know, currently, if, if uh, I believe it's about 30 points that you're making. So for every dollar Canadian that you have, you're getting about a buck, I think a buck 28. Uh, sorry, for every dollar U.S. that you have, you're getting a dollar uh, 28 Canadian. Um, you can get access to a lot of the different products and different things that you'd get uh, anywhere else in, in the U.S. So uh, that's not an issue. But again, taxation, I think, is the biggest one for a lot of people. Um, our taxes, well, a lot of people think that it's quite high 
It's actually not um, because there's a lot of different ways and different government programs that you can take advantage of where uh, it, it actually equals out. And one of the biggest differences is, is that uh, as a Canadian, I can actually go and I can travel and, and uh, become a non-resident. Uh, there's a test that you can go through. So when I lived overseas for a number of years, I actually wasn't filing a tax return here, which is very different oh, from, wow. from, yeah, from the U.S. system where you're taxable worldwide, uh, whereas in Canada, you're taxed on your residency. So that that's one of the I, that's the major difference that comes to my mind right off the bat. Wow. Yeah, that definitely does make a difference. I, I can say pretty profoundly that uh before last year my husband and I were thinking oh, we should we should move abroad we we need to get out of the United States see something different but that tax issue always came up because of essentially potentially double taxation so I think that's a really interesting uh point in the favor of of Canada one thing I sorry I can I, do you mind if I just no please say, go for one it. point to that one thing when you're looking at uh Amer like American and America and Canada, there is a tax treaty that exists between Canada and the U.S. And that's why it's very favorable for a lot of people that will come here, uh, Americans that will come here, because you're not going to be double taxed. What's going to happen is, is you would pay the difference of the tax. So if you file a tax return here, um, what will happen is, is that that tax return uh, in the U.S., they'll, if you pay tax here, you won't have to pay, you'll only have to pay the difference if you owe tax in the U.S., Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's actually a very big benefit for Americans here. I like that. And now I've been to Canada a few times and I will say I was probably in more of the larger cities, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, but it was definitely more expensive cost of living wise. And I live in Los Angeles, so we're in a really high cost of living. Do you find that, that most of Canada is higher cost of living than the U.S.? Or once you get out of those bigger cities, the things are a little bit more affordable? Yeah. So some of the, that's a great question. So some of the some of the bigger cities are, are very expensive. And, and, you know, if you've been up to Vancouver, I always, uh, I always joke with people, I ask them, do you know what BC stands for? And everyone's like, yeah, it's British Columbia. I'm like, no, actually it stands for bring cash because it's very expensive. <laughs> true. <laughs> so very true. It is. It's one of the most expensive places to live, but it, it's, you know, it's beautiful. You're on the ocean. You've, you know, you can be down at the beach in the, in the morning and skiing at, at night. So, so it's it's very nice in that respect. Um, Toronto is pretty uh, Toronto's pretty pricey, uh, as is Montreal's getting a little bit more pricey. But if you start uh, like I live north of the city, I live in a you know it's a reasonable place to uh, to live, and and uh, well, it's actually you know it's it's a nice place to live. But there's costs aren't exactly that high. Um, and I still have access to the city. But if you're looking at different areas of Canada. I always tell people to look east, uh, you know, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, uh, even PEI, uh, really great, great cost of living. A lot of people, what they can do, and I, I've had some uh, clients do this, is that they, they've moved out of Toronto, uh, they've sold their house, which is, has appreciated a lot, taken a job out, out east, and, and it's, uh, you know, and, and now they're living mortgage-free and have more than enough money in the bank just from that one move. 
So there are some really good places to live. You still have access to a lot of uh, the different uh, cities and the, and the, you know, depending on the lifestyle that you want to lead, uh, you have all of that stuff there. Mm, I like that. Yeah, very nice. I mean, I will say every time I was in Canada, just blown away by the beauty, just unbelievable sheer beauty. I had the lucky opportunity to take a train from uh, Seattle Mm-hmm. all the way up through Banff. And oh, yeah. I mean, I, it was just miraculous what what yeah. you saw and just so peaceful and so stunning. I think that's one of the things about Canada that always really stands out to me is just, I know we have beauty obviously here in the U.S., but it's a lot less populated in Canada. And so yes. there's just these remote areas. They're just, they literally take your breath away. Yeah, that's actually a very, that's a very envious trip. That's a fantastic trip. Uh, You know, just that, uh, just the scenery and whatnot and the wildlife and everything. You know, it's funny you say that about the uh, being a little bit more sparsely populated. So uh, currently, you know, the population for all of Canada is uh, about 38 million people. So it's not, it's not that much. We have a bigger land area than the continental U.S., Um, but 80% 80% of the population lives within 200 kilometers of the U.S. border. So wow. once, Yeah, so once you start getting uh, a little bit north of that, like, you know, you can hop in the car and in a couple hours you can be, you know, pretty much you could be downtown Toronto and in a couple hours, two, three hours, you can be in the middle of nowhere. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, wow. Well, talk to me a little bit about the reality of how easy would it be to move to Canada? What are what what are the steps? What are the process that you, that you would go through? That's awesome. I love this question. Okay, and you can't see me right now, but I've got like the biggest <laughs> smile on my face. So, um Okay, so one of the things that I always tell people, I've I've been doing this for about 10 years, and I created a system, I call it the immigration success system. And it's basically three phases. And it's planning, implementation and settlement. Now, what I've seen because of running my immigration legal practice, obviously, we have a plan and we implement that. I've always been telling people to plan their settlement and to plan what they're doing here. And the reason that that's important is is because prior to me doing immigration legal work, uh, I was helping people get settled in. And I, I saw people that weren't doing so well, and I saw others doing absolutely amazingly well. And what it really boiled down to was them educating themselves and understanding exactly what they're going to do when they get here. Um, so... In terms of the first step, you have to you have to plan it. You have to plan not only the immigration application, you have to plan what you're going to do when you get here, but you also have to plan what your life's going to be like. And I think it's actually a very important uh, but also fun step because you basically get to design your life. I'm working with a number of people from the U.S. right now, and one of the things that I tell them is I'm like, listen, if you're coming up here, think about what, what type of life you want. So... Um, for instance, one of the things that I do is I bring people on from different areas of Canada and I have them say what it's like to live in that area in their own words. And I have my group get together and they get to take the benefit of that. Um, it's always very interesting because people actually get a perspective and they understand how they can design their life around that. Mm, yeah. So that's the first thing that I tell people is just plan and figure all that out. Then the second thing is, is that they have to decide, like, 
you know, what am I going to, where am I going to live? Uh, what type of job do I want? Am I, is my job portable in the U.S.? Can I come up here and spend the summers uh, working in Canada and then go back to the U.S. and maybe stay in Florida for the winter if I'm not much of a winter person or do it the opposite? Um, you know, and then, and then on top of that, you just have to be able to implement and, and put that together. Uh, so it's, it's generally pretty easy. And, and normally the people that, uh, it's easy for is if you're under 35, you have a university education, uh, you have at least one year of, uh, skilled work experience. So, you know, even working in an office as a receptionist or an administrative assistant is, is considered skilled work experience. Um, obviously no criminal record and IE, uh, a, a, you know, a drinking and driving charge can be an eliminator. But basically, if somebody uh, can speak English, has post-secondary education and one year of skilled work experience and is under the age of 30, uh, it's it's pretty easy to actually get here. Was the what about the age? Is that like just Canada is specifically targeting a younger demographic to to immigrate? Yeah, so generally what they do is they're looking for people under 30. And the reason is, is I, it's funny, I, I call it a bit of a Ponzi scheme. And, and it's kind of like we have, these, uh, we have these really great retirement benefits. So the retirement benefits, we have these pension plans, old age security, we have drug benefits, we have the free health care, which is always very popular with my American clients. Uh, all of these different things. So in order to keep those benefits going, we need people that are actually going to continue to work. So bringing in, uh, we, we like the U.S., we have the baby boomer population, um, and they're getting to the age now where they're starting to retire. So I believe it was back in the 19, 1970s, there was five workers to every every one uh, retiree. Now we're down to three workers to every one retiree. And if we didn't actually, we don't actually bring in more people because the the levels of people that we're bringing in currently are, are we haven't seen these levels for generations. Uh, and the reason is, is because they don't want that to get down to two workers for every one retiree because then the benefits, the great benefits that we have here wouldn't be sustainable. So they want to really target, yeah, so they want to target that younger population to keep the keep the Ponzi scheme going, so to speak, right? So <laughs> so is it unrealistic that you could immigrate if you were over that age or are there just more hoops you have to jump through? There's just more hoops. I, I have people in their 40s and 50s um, and, and generally I, I've been able to successfully bring them here. However, uh, where it gets a little tricky is, is that they... Um, you know, they're going to have to do either maybe a business stream. So if somebody owns a company, for instance, there's different ways through like the old NAFTA or the USMCA or Kuzma, as we call it. I don't think we figured out the name yet for that. Um, but, uh, you know, because we have that agreement between the U.S. and Canada, there's a lot more that uh, America, a lot of advantages for Americans. Um, another example is, is that, you know, getting Canadian education is a very popular route. One of the benefits that only Americans have, as, as opposed to any other country in the world, is that they can actually file their applications at the border. So you can literally apply to a school here, hop in your car, drive up to the border, present a package, and they'll hand you the study permit and subsequent work permit on the spot, wow. which is, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of people don't know that, but it's, it's actually, uh, if you plan it properly and you know what's required, then you can actually get that stuff done. 
Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-T-M for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works you sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off.
The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We haven't asked Shauna. This one comes from Janelle. Janelle says... Hi, Shauna. I have a question about credit cards. I've always been leery of them, and then I listened to your show and became comfy that I could use it like a debit card and do it smartly. I'm proud to say that I have been doing that for over a year now, and I'm about to make a big purchase and will need to pay off my credit card over a few months, which I have prepared for. But you mentioned that I could ask my credit card company to lower my APR, I'm curious, how often do they agree to this? And is there anything I should say? Thanks again for being my money wizard. I love all the guests on the show and love hearing about all the topics. Keep it going. Janelle, this is a great question. I'm so glad you brought it up because, uh, yeah, there are some tricks when it comes to credit card, but the number one thing is you have to ask the question and most of us just don't ask the questions and it's somehow like we're afraid to call our credit card companies, but it's not like calling the IRS <laughs> or at least I know if I have to call the IRS, I get a little bit of a panicked feeling. Credit card company is a little bit different. So I was just reading this survey that came out from LendingTree and they were saying that 83% of cardholders who asked to have their APR lowered were successful. Those are great odds. 83% is pretty close to 100 in my book. 
So what are you asking for? That's a great question. I don't think there's really a way to do this wrong, except if you're just an a-hole on the phone with a credit card company. But what you're simply just saying is, hey, I like to use your card. I would like to ask for an APR reduction. I'm considering moving to another card that has a lower APR. Whether you are or not doesn't matter. You don't have to tell them that, okay? (laughs) But that's what you're saying. I want to stay with your card, but there's another card with a lower APR. Would you be willing to reduce the APR on my credit card? If you're a loyal customer and you've been paying your bills on time, I'm pretty confident you're going to end up in these 83% uh, numbers. But, um, you know, there's always a chance it could be a no, and you should be prepared for that. But you just don't know if you don't ask the question. And this survey also pointed out something really interesting, that women were far more likely to ask for all the breaks than in past years, and in most cases, were more likely to have them granted than in previous years. So I don't know what's going on there, but I'm feeling really good that women are feeling empowered to call and try and it's not even negotiate it's just literally asking the question can I get my APR lowered and it makes such a difference if you're going to carry a balance on the credit card because that means that any money over the minimum payment that you're going to pay off that that credit card debt is really making strides right the lower our interest rate the faster we're going to get this debt paid off and also while you're at it This survey also said that 92% of people asked for a waived or lowered annual fee and were successful. And I've talked about this on the show a lot. If you have a credit card that has an annual fee, here's what I do. I wait for the annual fee to charge on my card. For instance, I have one card that charges a $95 fee like every May. So I have a calendar reminder, and once that annual fee hits my card, I call them and say, hey, you know, the annual fee just hit. I like your card, but I'm thinking about moving to another one that does not have an annual fee. Is there any way I could get the fee removed? Now, I've always had it removed, but I do know some people where they haven't had it removed, but it's been lowered. So lowered is still winning in my game, right? It's not having to pay that full amount for a fee. So the moral of <laughs> the moral of the story here, Janelle, is yes, ask for it. Ask the questions. You're not guaranteed that you're going to get a lower APR or have your annual fee waived, but you got a pretty good shot at making it happen, especially this year and probably in the next couple of years with the economy still kind of getting back on its feet. So Ask the question and it's just extra money that you can use towards other things. Like why pay the fee if you don't have to? I probably can guarantee you have something better to do with $95 than pay a silly credit card annual fee. So Janelle, great question. Awesome question. If you have a question just like Janelle, just go to the show notes right now. There's a link right there. You can go over to the Ask Shauna on our website. Just fill in with your question. You can even keep it anonymous, and I'd love to get your question answered. And how has the last year changed things with COVID? Because I know the borders have been closed. So Mm -hmm. how long would people have to wait before they would start to entertain the immigration process at this point? 
That's a really good question, and it's a question that we get a lot. So, um, my, I'll give you my opinion on it. Um, so, obviously, it's going to be based on the vaccine rollout and whatnot. Um, I think the you know the U.S. has been very aggressive uh, in terms of the vaccinations, and and uh, hopefully that's going to get sorted out by the summer, summer twenty twenty one. It's funny I have that. <clears throat> I mentioned I had that group of American clients that we meet uh, within my within my network there every week. We uh, we do different things, and we've got a bit of a pool going. Uh, my pool was as I would see that the borders opening around August. Uh, some people were saying a little bit later, but I think that it's going to open up uh, relatively soon uh, to non-discretionary travel. People can still come here, like somebody who wants to come as a student, and a lot of people don't know this, the borders are closed, but to non-discretionary travel. So you can't come up and say, yeah, I'm coming for vacation. But if you drove up to the border and said, I'm going to school, I have to start in September, and you have all of the stuff, you will get through the border. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so that's one thing that people, uh, there's, there's, you know, gosh, there's so many different, uh, yes, it's closed, but... Uh, scenarios. So, right. (laughs) So it's actually not really, um, it's not really closed in that respect, but in terms of planning, I would see it actually return a little bit more to normal within probably my guess, probably in the next six months. Um, but there's a lot of things that people can do right now. Um, a lot of things that you can do to plan right now is doing the English test, doing the educational assessments, all of these little things, or at least just crafting your plan so that you know if it's something that's viable. So I have a number of people that are that are putting that in place. I can tell you right now, just with the sheer number of people in the U.S. right now that have, have uh, contacted me over the last little bit, um, you know, it's, it's been something I haven't seen in the last 10 years. So... <laughs> That I, says uh, something, right? <laughs> I, it, it does. It does. And it, it I think, um, yeah, it's it's something that uh, is exciting uh, because I think that there's a lot of, like when you look at moving, and, and I'm speaking from experience because I lived overseas for 15 years, um, you know, you still want those comforts of home. Um, and it's I think it's very easy for somebody from the U.S. to get those here in Canada while absorbing all of the benefits while not being so far away from from your home that you can, you know, hop in the car, or just hop on a plane for a couple hours and be back home. Right. Because home yeah. is always going to be home. So it's very close. You have all those conveniences, but there's so many other benefits that are available to, to ride both sides of the border. I like that. And, you know, so many, I would say people under 50, more or less, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, probably goes for almost any generation these days are running their own business. You know, they're running everything virtually. They're making mm-hmm. money in lots of various different ways. Is it still, you know, can you still come to Canada and be able to run your business in that fashion? 100%. Hundred percent. I've got a I've got a ton of people that I'm working with that are doing exactly that, and the best the best part of that is is that you can actually uh, get your permanent residence here. There's so many different incentives for small businesses here. There was so much support. I look look. I'm a small business. I I have a team of about seven of us, and you know just the government support that we got throughout COVID has been has been remarkable. 
Uh, I wouldn't have survived if I didn't have that. So there's a lot of different support for small business. I know a lot of people would argue with me on that. Um, but uh, no, there's, there's, if you know how to access the different resources, you can do that from a taxation point of view, depending if you have a really um, smart, uh, if you invest in your accounting uh, professional, uh, there's a number of different ways that you can uh, take advantage of the cross-border uh, trading and tax issues, having different entities set up and whatnot. Uh, to be able to do that. So I work with a number of people that are already doing that. They can come here, they can work, uh, and, you know, they spend, you know, six months here, do their stuff. They have a, an, a place in, in, you know, off the beaten track, if you will. Um, you know, one <laughs> of the things that they only need is basically the internet connection. Um, right. And that's that's it. So, yeah, it's in a very exciting world we live in. Right? I know. I think, yeah. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it just is. It's totally well. My my mind was totally changed before COVID, but now even more so. I mean, we live in Los Angeles. We're actually looking to move out of Los Angeles this summer because we just we want nature. We want to be able to have a different quality of life, and you can mm -hmm. do that when you work remotely. And I think that again, that that goes back to Canada's beauty that you could live someplace just stunning and and still be able to earn money and and operate your business i think that's just really exciting yeah it really it truly is and and again you know the us and canada share so much in common and uh that's that's the beauty of it and i you know look i it's funny i i've i've traveled extensively throughout the us i've been to about 26 states uh which i i think is extensively um, but I hadn't been to the West Coast in, in uh, you know, in all that time. And I just discovered it over the last couple of years. Fantastic quality of life out there. And there's so many little nooks uh, that I'm just, I'm loving exploring. So again, I think that's the beauty of it, where a lot of times for an American coming to Canada or for a Canadian going to the U.S., it's not that, that's not that hard of a stretch, um, right, yeah. you know, culturally yeah. and, and convenience wise. And do a lot of people who immigrate to Canada kind of live that that dual life that you were talking about, where they spend some of the time in the U.S., some of the time in Canada, you kind of flip-flop around that way? 100%. 100%. One of the things that uh, we're seeing is, especially with the younger crowd, is that they're looking to, you know, really... If you're thinking ahead, right, and, and a lot of times what we see is, is that people start getting this into their head around 35 to 40. And I always say to people, I'm like, geez, if I could just speak to these people like 10 years ago and say, hey, you've got all of these great benefits that are available to you, right? Yeah. You can come here, you can stay here for three years after you get your permanent residency, and then you get a passport. That passport opens up so many different worker mobility uh, avenues for people. They can go work in Europe. They can go work in different countries around Asia. Uh, it opens up, uh, you know, international experience, working holiday visas, so they can travel with that passport to different areas. It opens up a number of different things. Um, the other thing on top of it, speaking more long term, uh, is that, you know, healthcare is is really, really the thing that I hear a lot. Yeah, like a, like a right. lot. Um, we have free health care. And, you know, it's funny. About a week ago, there was a survey that was done. Uh, I believe it. Uh, I think it was time that did it. 
it was a, I can't remember, it was a major publication, but there was a big survey and they were looking at the hospitals around the world. And, the, and Toronto in general ended up as the, the top four hospital in, uh, in the world. Uh, and it was behind really? the likes of like the, yeah, I, I was, I was floored. And in the top 10, there was, uh, or sorry, in the top 50, there was a number of Canadian hospitals, Sunnybrook and whatnot. So like, you know, we're right behind like the Mayo Clinic and the boss, um, hotel in Boston or hotel hospital in Boston there. Um, you know, like world-class hotels right. that you or hotels. Why do I keep saying hotels? <laughs> hey, you know, at these right? days, right. Hospital hotel. It's yeah. Yeah. But I, I just, what I find interesting about that is, is, uh, a lot of people like they slag the house healthcare system is like, Oh, it's free. It's not very good. And it's like, well, it's free and it's also very good. So yeah. that was very exciting to see. Um, so yeah, those are those are some of the issues, and a lot of people don't start thinking about that until later on. But again, you know, coming to school or just filing a direct application, spending a little bit of time. Once you get your passport, you know, you could take off for twenty years, and then you could come back and retire here uh, if you wanted. Uh, the second passport idea is is something I've been looking into it for for quite some time. You've talked about like some of the benefits of having a, a second passport, but is that different than if I was a Canadian passport holder and had this this passport versus being a U.S. citizen having a passport? Like, how does that mobility differentiate between those two countries? So, for instance, I, I when I was alluding to Europe, so we have a, we have a, an agreement with Europe called the Comprehensive European Trade Agreement, and there's worker mobility provisions in there, similar to what NAFTA or the USMCA has now. Oh. So uh, we have more of those treaties, like there's Colombia is one of them. Um, uh, sorry, excuse me, what am I saying? Colombia, uh, Chile, and Peru. Uh, the TPP, which I believe that you guys will uh, resign on to. There was worker provisions in there, which which uh, access the Asia Pacific region, and the European one is is a big one for a lot of people. So depending on how those agreements work and and that passport, that gives you access to those uh, to those worker mobility agreements. So that's that's one of the benefits there. Again. And I think that having a U.S. passport and a Canadian passport is a very, very powerful tool uh, for people to have. The biggest issue and what you read about a lot of times when you start talking about passports and, and holding alternative citizenships and whatnot, it generally boils down to the, oh, you know, I want to get out of my taxes and, and uh, you know, yeah, I'm giving right, up my right. passport and all of that stuff. I don't really make that argument as much. I know that there's there's a lot of things there, but I, I think having the ability to have both, and if you have really smart professionals, you don't have to go to those extremes. But some people do. You know, there's, uh, you know, different uh, theories on all of that uh, and ways to run and do it. But I don't think it leads to some sort of permanence, uh, which is something that, uh, you know, a lot of people do like permanence and stability and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, and I think with COVID, because it's very topical these days, it's highlighted a lot of the kind of weaknesses and the different systems. Um, but again, I think there's advantages to be had on, on both sides of the fence, right? Yeah. Um, and having the ability to move there. One of the ones that I, and, and again, if, uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go toe to toe with an economist on this one, but <laughs> one of the things that I've seen is, is generally like the, uh, the slowdown in 2008 when we were hitting different recessions and slowdowns. And again, in 2018, 
Normally the trend is, uh, and again, take this with a grain of salt, um, is that things slow down in the US, but then there's a ripple effect, and that ripple effect generally tends to come later uh, to Canada. So, you know, you know, if something starts slowing down, uh, you have the ability to kind of pick up and like literally not skip a beat and go find something somewhere else uh, and then kind of settle that in. So you, you might be able to lessen some of those different impacts because it gives you options. And I, think I, I was just going to say that options and options, I think, is one of the best things right? to have in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it really opens up the options. And what I what I also find is, is that with COVID, and, and again, I, I never tie this to politics, but it, it seems to always get tied to it when people are like, oh, I'm leaving, I'm doing this. I, I, I literally tell people, I'm like, that's not really a good reason to kind of pick up and go. You, you really should think about what, what you're going to get out of it and, and do all of that. But what I find is, is that it provides, when a lot of people want the ability to move, a lot of other people are trying to do the same thing. And it's all about planning ahead so that you have that in your back pocket. Now, coming from a Western country like Canada or the US, we don't actually think of it this way. But I can tell you there's a lot of countries around the world. Uh, example, China, for instance. There's a lot of people, they see that uh, alternative passport or, or a way to put money somewhere securely as something that is, is part of their planning and something that's actually done very regularly. We don't tend to do that in a lot of uh, a lot of the Western countries as much, um, but there's a lot of countries uh, that will think about it that way. It's yeah. so fascinating when you really start to like dig down, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and think about it. Well, let's say that Canada is on our radar. We're like super interested after after listening to you. What are some of the action steps we should take to, to even get the process started? So um, one of the things that I would suggest is, is, you know, quite frankly, if, if your listeners just want to email me, they can just drop me an email um, and then I can I can direct them and I have no problem doing that. Um, and also, uh, it's funny, as, as I was telling you, I haven't done a lot of podcasts, but um, one of the things that I did is I, I have a book. I, it's called Second Passport and it's your guide to a secure alternative home for you and your family just in case. And you know what, you know, what's so funny about that is when I wrote this, uh, this was done a few years ago and the just in case somebody said, Oh, you should put just in case. And I was like, yeah, okay. Why not? Just in case <laughs> it's so topical today. Totally. Uh, yeah. But again, if anybody wants to reach out, they can just, uh, email me at Brandon at uh, second pass or my second passport.ca. Um, and I, I'll, I'll shoot them a copy of a digital copy of my book and, uh, you know, if they, I can point them in the right direction. So, um, yeah, they can get started that way. I love it. And, and just tell me real quick, like, what is it like to work with like an immigration consultant like yourself? Like, how do you cut through some of the sticky bits uh, of the immigration process? Oh, man. Oh, you're making me so excited with these questions. I love it. No, I'm serious. It's it's uh, it's it's such a good question because a lot of people they get on the internet and they they start looking around. They're like, oh, it's all here, and it's like, no, it's not all there. That's the internet. Like, there's there's this thing called the Immigration Refugee Protection Act. That's the law. That's what you got to follow. So, I you know again, what we do is is we put together the applications. 
Um, I always tell people that I want to get them the most direct route to what they want. I do it in a cost-effective manner, and I minimize all of their headaches. So as we know, dealing with any government bureaucracy, uh, it has its challenges, and the immigration department is no different. Um, you know, when we're representing a file, my clients, you know, don't even talk to the immigration department. Actually, to be honest, I bar them from talking to them. I want them, I want the immigration department to talk to me. Um, because a lot of times, uh, if people start filing stuff on their own, they can actually, you know, they think, oh, I'm, I'm being helpful. And it's like, no, you're not. You're, you're giving the immigration officer enough rope to hang you with there because they're basically just trying to dot their I's and cross their T's. You, you want to manage things. But a lot of times people will come to me. Um, I have three different people that will come. They're, the people, there's people that are planning ahead. There's people that go and try it themselves and go, whoa, what happened here? I just got this returned. And then there's people that are, you know, come crying and, and I have a tissue box in my office because they've done so much damage and I sometimes I can fix them and unfortunately sometimes I can't. But, um, you know, we basically take out, take away all the pains from uh, doing it yourself and having to deal with that painful, painful bureaucracy that we have in, in dealing with any government department. Yes, and all the way around, no matter what you're dealing with, if you can have someone help you cut through the bureaucracy, definitely, definitely worthwhile. Well, Brandon, this has been so fantastic. I know we've already told listeners, but let's tell them again where they could go to uh, connect with you and find out more information about your services. Sure. Uh, they can email me at brandon at mysecondpassport.ca. Um, that's my personal email. I don't have other people, uh, you know, emailing and it doesn't put you into some sort of sequence that goes directly to me. Um, and as well, if anybody emails and, and says that they're listening, they've listened to this podcast, uh, tell them just to request a book. You can, uh, I'll send them a copy and that's a really great guide, uh, because it really is, is over 10 years of my experiences watching people come here, be successful. And I give them all of the steps, um, on how to go from, you know, hey, I want to go to Canada to here's your second passport. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about the idea of a second passport? I think it's kind of sexy, if you will. <laughs> I think it might be a really smart financial move. We don't know what's on the horizon. We don't know, you know, politics, healthcare costs of living, we don't know what's going to happen. So to me, a second passport is the idea of having options. And I am a big fan of options. So if you're interested, definitely grab a copy of Brandon's book. And he's super open to answering any questions. So even if you have the smallest question, I would definitely take him up on his offer. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you loved it, here's two ways you can support the podcast. Share this episode with friends, family members, share it on social media, and also head on over to iTunes and leave a review for the podcast. Let me know how this podcast has helped you on your money journey. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go. We want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com, where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks 
that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.